Hello, and thank you for joining me for this week's episode of U.S. Dronecast. My guest this week is Saunders Staley of Flying Robot. He's a cinematographer and drone pilot who has built his business to be able to work with some of the largest brand on some of the coolest projects. He'll share some insights about how he was able to fly during the Super Bowl and work for NFL films. He'll also talk about a unique project that he worked on with Kitchen Sink Creative, an ad agency here in Phoenix, about a unique one-shot of downtown Phoenix and how complex it was to pull it off. He'll also have some advice for people that are just starting in the industry. But before we jump right in with Saunders, let me remind you that AZ Drone Fest is right around the corner. It will take place on October 7th at Grand Canyon University in Arizona. So check out all the details and register to attend at azdronefest.com. Now, let's dive right in this week's episode with Saunders Staley. Welcome to U.S. Dronecast, a podcast dedicated to drones, aerial cinematography, safety, commercial, and recreation. So get ready for engaging discussions, insightful interviews, and expert insights from top-notch professionals in the drone industry. Subscribe now and follow us on social. Saunders, thank you so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Good morning. So talk to me about what attracted you to this industry. What got you into the business? So I went to film school at uh, Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara. I actually specialized in underwater photography. And then once I moved to Arizona, um, I worked for multiple different agencies, creative agencies. Uh, everything kind of came together and started my own business on the cinematography photography ground level and then in 2016 when part 107 came out i was actually looking at this in 2013 been flying drones for over 10 years and in 2013 i saw that this was going to be a part of my part of my ground business so it was just another tool to use on top of that um so in 2016, I developed and put together Flying Robot. And um, so I've been in business for seven years. I actually trademarked the name. And again, it was a drone and aerial photography was just another tool uh, above and beyond the cinematography and photography I already had in place. Uh, but it, it took my business to the next level. Yeah. And so is that, are you still doing some of the cinematography outside of aerial stuff or is that pretty much now your focus solely on aerial work? Absolutely. Um, so I don't really market it as much as the aerial work. I wanted to concentrate and perfect the aerial side of the business and push that out. So 90% of what I do is aerial work, but uh, I have a ton of ground gimbals, shoot a bunch of events, so there's still as, and I shoot a ton of ground photography as well. A lot of Astro stuff uh, on my own. And so ground is definitely a part of it. Uh, de definitely a huge part of it. I, it's just not something I really market through the, the flying robot uh, platform. Yeah. What was it about, um, and, and you, you're talking about underwater um, is kind of where you start, but what was it about movement and video or movement 
uh, that that attracted you? Like, what did you find when you start flying or where you went on the water that say, man, like I want to combine those two things, movement and, and photography? Sure. Well, I'm going to date myself here, but I started <laughs> back when, when they, we were shooting film. There was no digital. I'm not a digital native. Um, we actually had an E6 processor on the boat and we would do four dives a day. And the coolest thing for me, and I think what really per perfected my craft is that I couldn't see that image. I would, I had 36 frames. That's what I had. And you would go down and you had to know lighting. You had to know focus. You, you had to know all these things and these techniques and couldn't just look at it and delete. Uh, so I, I really think that helped me get where I am today and the quality of work flying robot produces and just adding that aerial aspect to it from the ground movements. I started with those ground movements and those underwater movements and the lighting and, and the framing and then transferred all that knowledge to the aerial aspect of things. And it's just having a camera in the sky. I feel now underwater photography is super complicated. However, when you're trying to fly and you're single opping and not dual opping, I mean, you have a lot going on. And um, so you really know, need to know how to make multiple gimbal movements while you're filming um, and flying the drone at the same time. So take. Taking it to the sky it was super complex, but I absolutely love it. And the things you can capture are, are unreal. Yeah. So I think what, one thing that's unique about Flying Robot and, and what you do and your skill set is, is what's behind you is, is you, have a, you use a variety of different drones. Like you're not just an FPV pilot. You're not just a cinematography pilot. Um, you, you have the, I mean, you have a range of tools and skill set that I think puts you in a different uh, category. So talk to me about the importance that for you to learn all those skill set. What did you see that say, I need to master all those different tools? Sure. Um, first, I would say mastering photography was a really, really big thing for me. And I would suggest everybody to go out and do that first before you even dive into the film industry. I mean, master your settings, uh, you know, and, and video settings and photography settings are going to be different, but you learn about exposure. I mean, there's so many things that start with photography that push over to the video world. I mean, obviously we don't have frame rates and things like that, but, um, I, I really wanted, I, I, I didn't want to be excluding myself by just shooting FPD or just, you know, shooting basic cinematography. So we film everything. We're, we're flying FPV drones. Um, the Inspire 3 is right back here. We just acquired one of those that can shoot an 8K RAW. And then some of my go-to drones are the Mavic 3 Pros. I mean, they are great drone units. Um, Easy, I, anything that's portable that I can bounce around the world with and uh, get out on the job site easy with, I love. And that's why I love the Mavic 3 Pro. But there's so many tools in the toolbox. Now, we have 12 drone units right now. 
um, and every single one besides the backups do do a different thing and are for a different purpose. So I'm sure like that helped you to land some some serious gig and obviously you're known for you know, doing some filming for the NFL, um, for HBO, some of those things. So talk to me about the process of getting those, um, being approved as a vendor for those uh, networks. Sure. Um, so, sorry, I, I hate to say this, but the cinematography and photography part, as technical as it is, that is the, that's the easy part of the business. 90% of this is running a business. And I don't think a lot of people know that. They set up social media, you know, have an Instagram account, and they think the business is going to come to them because they post all day. And that's just not how this works. Um, so I, I think, again, you mentioned the NFL. Uh, we were one, we, I did shoot for HBO Films, and then we were one of two vendors who were approved to fly in the TFR at the Super Bowl uh, this past year. And to pick up clientele like that, it, it took me years to build a, a, you know, a portfolio and a book of business where you started to get referrals. And I still cold call all the time. Um, whether that, and, and what I mean by cold calling, whether that be networking events, I'm, I'm always out meeting people and, and, and looking at different types of work that I can dive into. Obviously the film industry right now is totally on hold. So I have a diversified portfolio where I'm not totally out of business because I can shoot other for other clients that aren't in the film industry. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but, but I think really knowing the aspects, I think a lot of people nowadays are going in with the disruption in 2020, everybody losing work, um, you know, everybody wanting to, to start their own business and work for themselves because you have freedom. You actually work 80 hours to not work 40. That's what I like to say. But um, that, that whole disruption, I think, kind of pushed things backwards. Like you need to focus on building your business from the ground up and then that portfolio at the same time, because to land these bigger clients, you have to have the back end. I mean, the paperwork involved with the NFL was months of paperwork, you know? So no one sees that side of the thing, that side of the job. You know, they see you out flying and you get to shoot for the Super Bowl or, um, you know, you're out here doing this, this cool work. Well, well, that's 10% of it. You know, all the other side of things, um, the billing, the, the, like, the trademarking my name. It took me six years to have, finally have a registered trademark for Flying Robot. And I wanted to do that because I thought it was such a unique name. I wanted to make sure I was covered legally. So, you know, your, your, your web domain, people don't think about that. You come up with a name say it's John's Aerials or whatever it is, horrible name, but um, you need to make sure johnsaerials.com is available before, you know, there's, there's a whole process here. Um, great example. I had a friend start a business. 
They bought a domain name. They were in business for three years and then got sent a cease and desist because they didn't do the research and now they have to change their name and they branded themselves for over three years. And to do that, it's very expensive, very timely and, and, and hard. So I really think my success has been with the business sales creative agency background, running the whole business side of things. And then also having that film school camera cinematography and photography experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the technical expertise you had from, from film school, but then what you're saying is like everything else, like the back end is, is kind of what gave you a leg up um, from the rest of the competition. Um, and, and so what is it like to work with um, those type of clients? Like I know, like having looked at, at your work on, on Hard Knocks, um, you know, it's, it, it's not complicated stuff, right? Like it, like it's just aerial views of training camps or whatever. Um, but, but you still have an HBO film client, like looking behind your shoulder or like, I don't know what that's like for you to work with that kind of clientele. So it, it depends to most of the bigger productions, obviously you're going to have a DP, the director of photography, executive producer, producer on site and you're going to be connected to Video Village. So what that means for people who don't know, um, there are going to be multiple screens that you connect to. Great example, I just filmed, um, we filmed the latest Gila River Casino Wild Horse Pass commercial, You Do You. And we were connected with the drone to over 15 different monitors. Uh, um, you know, you're connected to color correction, DP, EP, all over the map so they can see what's going on and usually the dp stands right next to you um sometimes the ep or producer and they will be letting you know you know let's let's get over here or person direction so those are more directed by the team that you're hired with and then other processes like the super bowl um we filmed all the activation on site so the big the big screen that was put on the side of State Farm Stadium, um, the whole activation site by BetMGM, who we work for as well, filmed all that, and that was kind of more free flowing. There was a lot of, a lot of work where they you would get just a shot list, and you would go out and get the shots. Um, but then again, going back to the back end, you had to file TFR paperwork, um, the in insurance. Uh, requirements are astronomical and um, just all the work that goes into that to go out and get five shots is insane. So I would say the bigger production shoots, you're more directed. Uh, like next week, I have a shoot. We are filming military helicopters and vehicles with live fire. I'm super stoked about flying the I-3 and uh, the whole lens kit. Um, and that is going to be so much communication with the military pilots. I'm going to have the director and the DP right next to me, and they're going to be communicating with the pilots as well. So there, there, there's a ton of coordination that goes into this. And those shots are going to be super technical. You mentioned hard knocks. No, a lot of these shoots, like literally you put the drone up, you have an establishing shot just sitting there. There's nothing like, it's something I wouldn't put in my show reel, um, but pretty proud 
that I had the opportunity to film for the NFL and HBO yeah. films. And we're, we're officially a vendor of HBO. Um, that's another thing. You have to be vendors of the tribal nation to work for them. And that process took, takes years. Um, you have to be vendors of HBO to be able to work for it. You can't just go to Hard Knocks. You have to be a vendor for Netflix before you can work for these type of films. Unless, you know, I went out as a vendor and hired an FPV pilot to come in and work for me, then that's how you would work. And I have a lot of friends who, who actually, and I've hired people as well, who actually, that's all I do. They don't care about vendorship and they just want to work under somebody. And then that person, because that, that person handles all the business, right. all the paperwork, all the insurance, all I do is come out and fly. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot, again, going back to running your own business, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like the, what it entails, I, they want it, they, they love flying drones. Right. Once it gets to the paperwork and the back end stuff, they are gonna, it, it, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, that's mainly what I do. Yeah, and then, I mean, obviously there's a financial commitment too, like HBO is not gonna hire a guy that just bought an Air 2S and has his part 107. Like some of, some of from a financial standpoint too, like you have to invest on, on your gear and on top, top equipment and, and then obviously know how to operate all that and, and know how to coordinate with all those different parties. Um, but so do you, do you enjoy the collaboration with all those, um, uh, the, you know, the, the, with the DP and, and, and the producers, or do you rather kind of have the freedom of, of getting those five shots for the Super Bowl and you kind of, kind of do it the way you want to? Sure. I, I, I like both, you know, I love the collaboration because it gives me other ideas as well. And people get excited on site too. When yeah. you grab the shot they want and it's perfect, they get super stoked. So, um, and I love going out on the shoots where I have full control. And then I also love just shooting for myself. Like I was uh, just out doing some scouting in New Mexico for a shoot uh, out in Angel Fire, Taos Red River area. Absolutely beautiful. And I was shooting for myself the whole time Why I'm scouting. So, I think all three of those yeah. are, are at the same level. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And I know you also do, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Avada. You use the Avada too. You do some, some one shots. Like we have some of, of some of the rock climbing gym uh, work that you do. So talk to me about uh, that kind of work and, and what do you enjoy about doing those type of shots? The FPV one shots are super fun. And these just, I mean, they went viral when Jaybird posted his bowling video. Like, no one really even knew about one shots, yeah. or no one was hiring for one shots, or no producer would even think about hiring somebody with a GoPro. Um, and and they have bigger cinelifters, cinewhoops that you can throw like naked black magics on to shoot these. But for the most part, if you want to get super tight, you can't even use those. Um, so I really wanted to get involved with that. I was already flying FPV at the time when Jaybird launched the bowling alley video. And uh, the Avatar, when that came out, I, I had all custom builds. But I love having, for whatever reason, I am a huge smart battery fan. I like 
the fact that I, I have longer flight times. Um, the avatar shows like if I'm flying out in the wild, it has a H and shows exactly my location. So if I'm down in the woods, I know exactly where to come back to. And DJI just makes really, really outstanding equipment. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the rock climbing video. Yeah, we, we just shot for rock solid down in Tucson. Um, also shot one that I entered in film fest, I think, on Black Rock Bouldering. That was a that's wild right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's my local gym where I climb. But uh, shot for rock solid. And it's super complex because you have to think about all the sound effects you're putting in there, too. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of sound effects that you're adding. So, so the edit's dynamic. Um, I'm not going to give out a lot of my secrets, <laughs> but I, I will say that sound or audio is just as important as your flight to the building. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And the avatar does it. I mean, the, the, another thing, smart batteries, the reception. The reception on the avatar is killer. I've been behind some mint walls inside hiding and put the drone outside and flown in and been perfectly fine. So the OcuSync 3 on that thing, and I'm excited about I mean, it, DJI keeps on up in the game. OcuSync 4, I mean, you know, it's like that. Yeah. But um, it's a great drone unit for Cinewa one-shots, for sure. Well, talking about one-shots, you, you, um, you did one in collaboration with Kitchen Sink. Uh, talk to me about that collaboration and, and the shot you did uh, downtown Phoenix. So I love working with Kitchen Sink. Great, great studio. I've been working with them for, I think, four or five years. And this was one of the hardest FPV projects I've ever worked on. I mean, we were flying one shots all over downtown Phoenix, a collaboration with the city of Phoenix and downtown Phoenix. And they put together an absolutely epic edit. So hopefully you'll be able to show that, yeah, some yeah. of that here. Yep. Uh, yeah, so proud of them for that. It, it was amazing. Uh, but they stitched every single, we had to go, when we were scouting, we had to look at, okay, we are going to fly through this door or this window, and then we're going to skip to the next, we're, we're going to add it to the next one shot. And it had to look seamless. So, you know, you had a mask. Every place where we had to connect to the next one shot throughout Phoenix, Kitchen Sink had amassed that in DaVinci, After Effects. It, it's insane. And it yeah. looks like we're actually flying. I mean, I flew through Melinda's Alley, the speakeasy. That, and, and talking about reception, you're down below a hotel. Okay, so, and I was flying the Avatar. For 99% for of those shots, it, it was the Avatar and GoPro 11. Um, pinball bar and uh or stardust pinball bar and and the pizza place that was super difficult you had to fly in and time it perfect where they opened the walk-in and i had and you can't stop or it ruins the shot so we had a time with walkie talkies right when the drone came in the walk-in opens and then i had to cut in the pinball bar and then you cut out and they had smoke machines and lights outside the back door and that's where I flew into that and cut the engines. And then you go into the Zona Festival. 
So the transitions, I think, are the hardest part. Well, I take that back. The FPV flying was pretty tough. <laughs> outside of the flying. <laughs> yeah, outside of the flying. The, the transitions. To, to, you really, what, what I'm trying to say is, you really can't just go out and just fly. Like, it was something that's dynamic. You yeah. have to have a plan. And without a plan, it's not gonna, it, it, you're not gonna succeed with that. Yeah, and there's um, a there's like the coordination, but there's a, like the plan that you're talking about. It's really understanding like the next shot and how we're going to transition between this environment to the next environment and how we need to do that. So, and I'm guessing that's part of Kitchen Sink's creative uh, process involving you and and the discussion of like, you know, which location do we go first? Oh yeah, we can go from this one to that one using this hallway as a transition or whatever. Exactly, yeah. and we scouted for a full day before we even, and then went back to the drawing board before we even shot. So were so you involved it, Were you involved early on in that process or did they bring you on kind of after they kind of thought through that? Absolutely. And I actually love scouting days because we got to ride around on electric scooters all day downtown. And um, all we did was bounce around to the locations yeah. and, and try to figure out how we're going to transition these shots. And they have a super cool team over there as well. So I love working with them. Um, that's another thing. Speaking of kitchen sink and, and a super cool team, just the people you work with. I, I'm at a place where I like I want to work, and, and, and you don't always get this, okay? You don't always get your favorite DP on site that you want to work with, okay? But personalities are personalities. Um, I'm good with working with every every type of personality, which makes me successful as well. Um, but when you get that very, very cool crew that, that you just match with, and that's kitchen sink, um, it, it just makes the job so much yeah. more fun. Yeah, no, yeah. no doubt, absolutely. So um, talking about the, the logistic of that shot, I know you, you mentioned like you guys were communicating via radio, but I mean, there's so many participants, like there's just people everywhere. You're flying, you know, downtown Phoenix. So I'm guessing there's a level of like, okay, well, those people are part of the, the process. And then there's some that are just there by accident and that's just how it is. So talk to me about kind of like how you coordinate all those people and, 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 and what did you guys have to do in order to kind of, make sure nobody looks at the drone and, and those type of things. Sure. So the looking at the drone thing is very difficult when you tell people not to do something, it's usually <laughs> going to happen. Um, however, I've been very lucky, like in the rock climbing shoot and the kitchen sink shoot, um, where we told people not to look at the drone. And for the most part, it was successful. Uh, but the kitchen, going back to the kitchen sink shoot, a ton of those people were brought on. So Melinda's Alley, um, the people on top of the hotel. We, we have people in place that, and I shot one for Westgate Entertainment District as well. All these people were put in place that are actually part of the shoot. And then you are going to have, obviously, shooting downtown. You can't shut down downtown. Um, you, we can lock off certain roads and, and things like that. And we had all the permitting in place for that. But you have to have, we had, um, not security, but kitchen sink staff in certain areas that would put people on hold. And, and for the most part, people don't mind. I mean, it was a few seconds to just stand there and wait while the drone was coming through. And then we had our staffed people in position. 
Um, so, so yeah, there's a lot of coordination, yeah. but there are ways to, to make it work where you can work around the general public safety. Yeah. Safety. And you talked about the different location and they, they got all stitched together. I mean, I, I, you know, it's kind of funny. It's called a one shot, but like how many takes did you did you do to go through each location? So I think it went through four avatar frames. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think, and, and this is when GoPro was having a major bricking problem with the 11s. They had a major problem for the longest time. They finally, I, I complained about it. They finally did an update. And now they have the GoPro 11 minis don't brick anymore. But they literally would go overheat and brick. So I think during the course of that shoot, which was over three or four days, um, I went through six GoPro 11 minis. And, and part of that was overheating. Um, I never broke any of those flying, but I did run through three sets of Polar Pro filters from crashing. Just and the as thing, people yeah. know, the people who know Polar Pro filters are not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on, so on something like that, do you do you budget for, for that when you quote a project like that? Do you kind of put like a contingency of like, yeah, I know I'm going to crash a few of those things? Absolutely. Yeah. So if I know, I, I mean, I, I have a number in my mind, like what it's going to look like on a project that technical and I'll allocate a certain amount of funds for those because you don't ever go back to the client later and say, Hey, can you pay for my equipment? Can you fix this? Yeah. Um, that, that immediately w would have the client drop you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. Well, um, any anything else, um, any other tips that you would have for people that, that are looking at your work and, and get inspired and like, man, this is what I want to do. Like, what, what are some of the other tips that you would give people? Sure. Um, I, I just think going back to building that, building the portfolio and then really knowing the business side. If you actually want to do this, um, there's nothing wrong with flying with, uh, for somebody else. I mean, I, I bring people on on a regular basis. So if anybody wants to DM and send me their portfolio link, absolutely, send it over and we'll take a look. I always like to have a vendor list for us if I need to send somebody out on a shoot. Okay. Um, but building a portfolio is huge. If you don't have a portfolio, you can't get the business. And make sure you have everything in place. So it, the hardest thing for me a long time ago was, was what do I charge? I mean, and, and I'm at a level, so everybody's rates are gonna be different. I used to shoot for drone base in 2016. I hustled right. for two years for drone base. I mean, I was shooting, it was two, 150 to $200 a shoot. And I was bouncing all over town, trying to get as many shoots as possible, putting mileage and gas. I mean, I, I mean, I was doing the numbers. It was kind of like Uber, is the gas worth the payout and my time? Um, but I did that for, for over two years. Um, so there's no, going back to the rates, the, everybody's are going to be different, you know? So somebody starting out is going to be doing different work, have different equipment. Um, like what I charge for the Inspire 3, somebody's not going to charge for a FPV and a GoPro. Um, so really finding out what part of the market you want to work in. So do you want to, and, and cinematography is not the only one, you know, I mean, agriculture, surveying, and you do have to have GIS, uh, if I'm saying that correctly, survey license to do some of these things. 
I don't know, figure out the market, know the business side of things, and then build that portfolio. Yeah. I mean, even if it's like LiDAR mapping, make sure you have examples of LiDAR mapping on your website. And I wouldn't stick just to social media. I, I, I would put this in perspective. If you don't have a backbone of your business above and beyond outside of social media, what if, and hypothetically, you know, Instagram went down. Um, great example, TikTok is being banned in multiple places and influencers, um, digital creators that relied on that income, literally, if that goes down in a day, you're losing thousands and thousands of dollars and there's no other backbone to switch over to. So, so build it from the ground up and, and, and put all those aspects together. And, and I think you would be successful. Yeah. You talk about drone base and, and I remember those, those years and, and I would see you all over town, uh, yeah. just going 10 shoots a day, <laughs> but, yeah. but there is something about, uh, for people that are just starting where the pay is not necessarily the most important thing, where it's like right now you need to spend hours behind the drone. You need the experience. You need the the, the portfolio. Uh, and so I think we've all started uh, from zero. Right. And so uh, we've all done jobs like that where it's like, well, it's not great, but it's getting me my first step in and, and some of those experiences. What was that like for you? What did working like that brings to you that you could carry into your business today? So. I would say don't get in it for the money right there. Get in it because you have a passion for it. Um, I, this is something that, I mean, I went to school for this. I worked multiple corporate jobs. Yes, I wanted to work for my own, but I also wanted, I wanted to have creative control um, over my, my business, basically. I did just control over my business, how it was run. I saw a lot of corporations doing so many things wrong and, and I, I'm not perfect, but I wanted to build something that was almost perfect. And so get in it because you have a passion for it, because I'll tell you right now how fast tech changes. We have to update our units every three years. It is very expensive, very costly. And the margins are super thin. So to make this successful, um, I would say maybe one to three percent of people are successful in this business across the nation. And, but it's the best move I've I ever made, and I got in at the right time. Yeah. And I branded the company. I think, in my mind, correctly. Um, I hope so. It seems to be working out. But. Um, and I, I wanted to say one other thing too, don't, going back to like paychecks and, and payments and rates, don't think the biggest clients pay the most money. Either they, they don't. Like, oh man, you landed this huge gig with like Lionsgate, you know? Big yeah. productions. Do not, I, I worked with small businesses where we've done dynamic shoots that pay more than huge, huge clients I've worked with. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it all depends on the job, the equipment, things you're using. Well, I appreciate it, man. I, I love our conversation. I think um, you bring a lot of great um, experience and tips for, for the listeners. So that's awesome. So 
I appreciate your time, man. And uh, we're looking forward to your next project. What's coming up for you? Any big things coming up? So the one I mentioned, the military shoot uh, next week, that that's a huge one. I, I've never flown around live fire before. So this is going to be interesting. Again, there's a ton of coordination. I get a fly on a military helicopter tomorrow from Deer Valley Airport down to the area we're flying, which is undisclosed, obviously. Um, but that's super cool. So there's little perks like that. Yeah. So that that's the next thing next week. Super excited about it. And um, hopefully I'll be able to share some of the footage at, at some point. Well, I think U.S. Dronecast should come along with you to get some B-roll tomorrow. But that's just a suggestion. I'm just thinking that should be. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Saunders. Appreciate it, man. Have a good time, okay? Hey, thank you very much. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to U.S. Dronecast. For more information about upcoming episodes and to learn more about our upcoming Drone Film Festival, subscribe now and follow us on social or visit us online at usdronecast.com.